Greetings, Noose Little Pod listeners. This is your host, Matt Gore, reminding you to please like, follow, subscribe, and share the podcast on your available podcast apps such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and any other podcast app you can think of. Share our episodes on Facebook and let us know what you think with a comment or review. Now please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to News Little Podcast, an audio program discussing the almost 50-year history of News Little Theater and the backstage antics and stories that come along with running a community theater in a small town. I'm your host, Matt Gore, and we are coming to you from NLT's stage and base of operations, the Little Log Cabin located on the banks of the News River in Smithfield, North Carolina. We lovingly refer to it as The Hut. All right, we're here for another episode of a new little podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, before we get to our main guest this evening, we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention that uh, <clears throat> this is a theater podcast after all. And uh, one of the giants of uh, musical theater recently passed away, as I'm sure most of you who have anything to do with theater know. Steven Sondheim passed away. He's the writer of such musicals as Into the Woods. Uh, he's been, he, he studied under Leonard Burdenstein and he's written like Assassins, which is my favorite musical of his, and Sweeney Todd. And Mita, you know a little bit more about Sondheim than I do. And because you did a review uh, back. I did. And you still have a, an itch to do Sweeney Todd one I would day. love to do Sweeney Todd, yeah. Dad was in the, the review that we did. We, it was called Putting It Together and Dad was in that one, so. Um, and also, uh, there was another thing. I've been reading great reviews on uh, this Steven Spielberg adaptation of West Side Story. Now, Tamara says, Tamara, the original West Side Story is very um, dear to her. It's one of her favorite, favorite, favorite movies. And so she's very hesitant to go see it in the theaters, and I'm trying to, like, coax her along. And <clears throat> I saw a review that said that I could not believe uh, I saw a headline, I, I read a headline I could not believe, rather, and it said, uh, this is among Spielberg's very best movies, and I'm like, better than Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jaws, <laughs> the remake of West Side Story? Oh, this is very curious. So that alone, I'm like, well, I, I guess I have to check it out now. Right. Are they going to drag you to the movie theater to watch that? Uh, if anybody's dragging anybody, it's me dragging somebody else, because I'm, I'm the only one that goes to movies, and I don't even do that very often, so... Well, we look forward to it coming out, and that was just a little bit of a, a theatrical news. Uh, anything, I'll start trying to do that at the beginning there, if anything interesting happens in the uh, in the theater world, or any weird stories, like that story about that uh, theater in Australia that was doing a production of Sweeney Todd, and got a little overzealous, and ended up cutting somebody's throat. Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> that was, that's an old story, oh, but okay. yeah, they, they were a little overzealous on opening night. Um, Blunt your weapons, people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a little bit too into it. Um, all right, so without further ado, I want to introduce uh, our guest for the evening here. And I've known this man since I've uh, <clears throat> been here at News Little Theater in uh, 2007-ish. And he's always been a fixture here. He's our resident handyman, uh, electrician, uh, very knowledgeable person, Fred Tool. Welcome, Fred. Thank you. Glad to be here. How were you first introduced to News Little Theater? Well, back in uh, 97, 
Mita and my wife, Mita's mother, came here to the theater, tried to get me to go down that night, and I said, no, I don't have time. I'm going to stay home and do a little book work and read a little bit. And so they came in after they had seen uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, and they were both so enthused with the quality of the show that they had just seen. And uh, Mita said, guess what they're doing next? And I said, how could I guess? And she said, they're doing Damn Yankees. I said, that's nice. I've seen that show in the movies. And she said, I want to be in that show. And I said, honey, all you got to do is go down and audition. And she said, I don't want to go audition by myself. I want you to come with me. And I said, I ain't got time for that. And right then, Mama jumped in and she said, you have time for other stuff you want to do. And uh, you know, it's a story there, you don't have a chance. So I said, okay, we'll go down and I'll go down to audition with you. So we did and we both got a part. And we've both been very zealous and uh, happy about the situation in the little Noose Little Theater ever since. Uh, so we both got a part in Damn Yankees. It's still a very, very good play that I enjoyed very much. But uh, that's how I got into it. I got kind of shanghaied into it. <laughs> My version's a little more long-winded than that, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, go ahead. Well, what did he leave out, Mita? <laughs> What I remember, and it was 1998, not 1987, but what I remember was we, Mom and I came to see the show, and then I went home and said, Dad, let's go audition. And he, he said, I've never seen that. I don't know anything about the music. So I had to go and get a CD, like the, the cassette tape from the, from the mall and bring it home. And he listened to it. He goes, that's pretty good music. I'm okay with that. But I, I just wish I could see it. <sighs> So off I go to Suncoast Video. <laughs> wow, that's a blast from the past. And, got, and amazingly enough, they have a VHS of the 1958 film with uh, Gwen Vernon. Is that who it was? I can't remember. Anyway. And Dad watched. He said, I guess I'll go down there with you. And the rest is history. But mm. yeah. yeah, the rest of it was pretty normal. I mean, it was pretty close. But I remember it being a lot more uh, tooth pulling. Yeah. <laughs> A little more arm twisting than I let on. But, uh, but I think I had seen the damn Yankee movie at once time before. I might have been using that for an excuse. But, I'm sure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I was very surprised when I got the part that I got in that show. Which was what? Van Buren, uh, the baseball manager. The of Washington Senator's manager. And uh, he had the signature song in Damn Yankees, you know, you gotta have hope. And uh, and it had always been a good song in my mind. I didn't, I probably didn't associate it with Damn Yankees when I first heard of it. But anyway, it was, it was a very fun show to do. Love to see us do it again sometime. Yeah. Uh, we played with some wonderful actors and actresses in it. Uh, we had Don Johnston doing 
the old Joe, and uh, Mike Winters doing the young Joe, mm -hmm. and uh, then we had Evelyn Martin mm -hmm. doing the newspaper reporter, uh, bad girl for a while, and then it turned out okay. Mm -hmm. uh, but then uh, we had Sean uh, Braswell was Smokey the Catcher, and uh, several other old mainstays, yeah. Sammy, da uh, Sammy, not Sammy Davis, but Sammy, <laughs> Sammy Smith was in it. You got Don Johnson and Sammy Davis Jr. to be in this? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and, and Vivian Whirl, yeah. I was blown away by Vivian Whirl. I was kind of, I was kind of uh, ill with her, I guess, because she did You Gotta Have Hope a lot better than I did. <laughs> she, uh, Vivian was a singer, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. So your natural competitiveness came out a little bit? <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember in, in, uh, we were practicing, I think it was practicing the thing where, you, where we were all trying to walk across the hall and sing in harmony. Uh, and the music director uh, stopped and looked at me and said, what part are you singing? I said, I don't know. He said, well, it sounds like and, Oh, no. Yeah. And uh, after, after we got through with that, I went back to the, out into the seat out there. I sat there, and I sat there, and I thought I was kind of deflated because uh -huh. uh, he didn't pull no punches. Sounds like and it. And I, I said, I ain't going to let that, you know what? Uh-huh. Uh, intimidate me. Uh -huh. So after it was over, uh, or after practice was over that night, I came up and, and said, look, would you put my part on tape? And he said, sure. And he seemed very glad that I had asked. And we turned out to be good buddies, you know. Uh, I mean, good friends in, uh, in that show and a couple more. Right. Uh, he was very good. Uh, he was an old-time showman. Uh, but that's got to be hard, though. I mean, this is your first show that you've ever done, yeah. and you're here in you know, one of the first rehearsals, and now you're, and you're told that you're, but your singing is basically not up to snuff yet. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be difficult. Well, he seemed to be happy with my singing during auditions, you uh -huh. know, because uh, I could hit the high parts that some of the other guys could not hit. And, uh, but he... I guess he figured I just needed a little jolt, and yeah. I got it, and he got it right back because uh, I, I just decided I was going to stand up for my own rights. <laughs> <laughs> was it was it Harrison? Was that who did yeah. it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Harrison was not. We, we talked about him before. Yeah, on Nancy's he, episode. Yeah, he's, he's, he's known for, he was known for being a little persnickety. Was and this the guy with the, the bird? The bird, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure people give him the bird several times. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Harrison was a good guy. I liked the way he played piano. Because when I got up for audition that night, all I said was, give me a G chord. He did. And I started singing a song that I had written, so I knew he had never heard it before. Uh -huh. And he came right in on it and, and, uh, and accompanied it very well. Obviously, you've done several shows here. And the easy answer would be Mita, but let's uh, let's say besides Mita, 
what are some of the actors that you've really enjoyed spending the time on stage with? Oh, and yeah, I'm not on that list. <laughs> <laughs> no, Mita's good. Uh, we've only been in, what, two shows together, I think, or maybe three. Yeah, I was you, trying to look it up, and it's You like, were in Damn Yankees, you were in Pajama Game. Cabaret. Cabaret. That uh, was the one that gives me therapy. I still pay him therapy bills about. Yeah. Um, uh, even when we're in shows together, we're not usually, we don't really interact much either. No. So. so you've never had a chance to really play off one another? Not really. Well, we did a little bit at Cabaret because <laughs> she was she was the call girl and I was the sailor. Oh. And... and uh, that's the therapy bills you were talking yeah, about. That's my therapy bill. Yeah. <laughs> so she had a hard time uh, getting over her dad, I think, uh, being in a role like that. And yeah. But not, not the only time that's happened on this stage. To no. <laughs> I just, every night during Cabaret, I would psych myself up. I'm like, he's, it's, it's fine. It's like, because the scene we were in together, we sat on the bench together and just sort of talked back and forth, and he just sort of was goofy. And I don't even know if we really talked, but no, we no, got no. interrupted, you know. And so I wasn't really doing a scene with him. He, we just happened to come out of the boudoir together. But at the beginning of the show, I would walk across the stage on the musical cue and walk over and sit at his table, and I would we would flirt mm-hmm. at, the, at the Kit Kat Club. Mm-hmm. And every night he would reach over and he would touch my hand. And every night it was like... and. <laughs> Every night before the show, I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. It's acting. There's no big deal. There's no big deal. It's not a big deal. You can do this. You can do this. And I'd convince myself I could do this. And I'd strut across that stage. And I'd sit in that seat. And I'd lay my hand down on the table. And he would run his hand up my arm. Uh, and I'd go, <laughs> <laughs> why did the Why did you think the director chose to cast it that way? It, was he just, he or she was, just messing was, with you? Tony, uh-huh. and he doesn't think that far out. I don't think. No. <laughs> I don't. I, it's, it's, and it, it's, it was solely my hangup because there was nothing inappropriate in it. It just was like one of those things that it's like you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. Nope, not fine. <laughs> and it's just that one moment. The rest of it was okay. Well, just, that's what acting is, you know. It, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing personal. Right. In in the acting, I mean, you got to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. Mita was another person. I was another person. And of course, if it had called for any more interaction than that, I would have backed out. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, she's always been a nice girl. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So, what are some of the other actors that you've enjoyed uh, spending uh, time on stage with uh, there, Fred? Well, Sammy Smith, for one, was uh, has has always been fun to interact with. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Colcom, I got to interact with quite a few in Twelve Angry Men. Who, uh, uh, which juror number were you? I was juror number nine. Okay, I'm trying to remember my juror number nine. He's, He's the old guy. He, He's he, not, in the movie. Is He's he the, the is he not the race to not the race? No, no, the sweet one. The sweet guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, I'm with yeah. you. It's, it's the old guy, and uh, I played it up a little bit with a limp, and uh, Nancy and, and uh, Amy. Amy, yeah, Amy. How could I forget Amy? Uh, they kind of let me have free hand with it, and I hemmed it up a little bit. And there was one scene in that when Bill Woodall, I don't know if you ever met Bill or not, 
I can't. I uh, I'm not sure. His son Eric does a lot of stuff in. Or used to do a lot of stuff in Raleigh. You might have recognized Eric Woodall. Yeah. The name sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. Well, Bill was. Bill had done a lot of acting, and this was the time, first time I'd ever actually met him to know who I was talking to. Uh, and he was juror number. Eight. That's the, that's the Bonda's role, right? Yeah, number eight's the main one, yeah. Yeah, he was number eight, and he was superb in it, Bill was. Mm -hmm. And, of course, Bill is deceased now, mm -hmm. uh, but he was he was just so good. Uh, and I remember there was one scene when he would uh, take the, take the uh, vote sheet you know yeah yeah and he would wad it up and he'd throw it down angrily on the table well i've kind of picked up on playing on to that one you know and i would pick that up off the table and i would look at it i would look at him and say well if he can feel that way about this case i can too you know without saying a word and, right and uh and then one night he threw it down and it bounced off the table and he he came to me later and said We'd never talked about that being one of your props, but uh, when I reached under the table with my foot and drug it up to me and picked it up, you know, <laughs> and played it just like I had been, and I think it was even more effective, probably. He said, I hadn't even realized that you were using that for a prop. And uh, so from then on, he made sure he dropped it where I could find it, you know, pick it up. The importance yeah. of little character moments that build on each other, absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and that was an amazing show. That that was uh, Craig. Craig Baker's first show. Craig Baker's first show, and he Craig had been here. What was his role to start with? He was the bailiff, I think. Was he the bailiff? I think he was. Might have been the. I don't remember. No, I can't remember. Anyhow, uh, he this other actor who I, whose name I can't remember now quit. He just quit one night, came in and said he wasn't going to do it anymore. So they had to get somebody else and they got Craig. And uh, Craig knew his lines. Mm -hmm. He already knew the lines and he came up and took, set right in on practice. And, uh, and he was a much better player because it, it required a bigger kind of guy. Craig was bigger and more blustery in actual life than, mm -hmm. than uh, the guy who took it at first, he was a little, uh, not any bigger or probably not quite as big as me. So Craig fit the role very much and, and did a wonderful job of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Bill Woodall had a wonderful uh, idea for, you know, when you give gifts at the end of a sh performance uh, uh -huh. or a show. Uh, Bill took everybody's number. He was a mathematician uh taught math out at Johnson community and uh and he took everybody's number and and went through what that number meant where it came from and when he got to number 9 I was just blown away with what what he put down as as a number 9 you know I still got it hanging on my wall that what the little thing he gave me of course it was framed and he he did everything right. Well, uh, the, yeah, those little gifts, uh, those little gifts mean a lot. I have a shoebox full of them. 
Um, but no, I look at them. There's some I come across that I've just forgotten about. But yeah, Mita's good at that. She's always good at giving uh, uh, great little gifts at the end of the runs. She gave us these little uh, um, compasses at the end of Explorers Club, and that was very nice. Um, okay. Um, it sounds like there was a lot of heavy hitters, a lot of a lot of uh, our mainstay guys in that twelve angry uh, men production. But uh, what's some of the ladies that you've enjoyed working with on stage? Well, uh, let's see, Vivian World I started with. Uh, Jean Marlowe would have to be, I guess, my all-time favorite yeah. because we played man and wife in at least four shows that I can remember. Uh, and Jean was always such a lady, such a pleasant person to work with. Mm -hmm. She always knew her lines, her entrances, and and that sort of thing. And uh, and she could help me out of a lot of pickles I could get myself into. Uh, she was definitely sharp, that's for sure. Yeah. One night, uh, they had me playing on, uh, they play, had me blowing, playing Bud Turpin for the opening of of uh, Dearly Departed. Well, I'd seen other people do that opening, you know, you, all you had to do was sit there and come up with a way to die at breakfast. <laughs> and so when it came my time, I said, well, I'm gonna come up with something different. So mm -hmm. I was sitting there chewing my tobacco and, and Gene was talking and of course I never had a line, you know, but Gene was talking incessantly and uh, as she was supposed to, her character was. Uh, she was my wife and uh, and the mother of my children. Excuse me. <coughs> Anyhow, I just kind of relaxed and slid off the chair and slid down under the table, you know. <laughs> and my head hit the floor, thump. Mm. And uh, I could hear somebody in the audience say, ooh. And, of course, me being hard-headed, it didn't hurt me. <laughs> but later on, when Gene was talking to to the preacher about when did I die? You know, she said she said he died at breakfast, and she said, and the preacher said something like, "Did you know he was dead?" She said, "I knew by the time he slid under the table, he was dead." <laughs> <laughs> and that wasn't a normal line for her. Right. She played. She played <laughs> along with it. She remembered it from earlier. Yep. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, Jean Marlowe, uh, she recently, uh, passed away, and, uh, if you want to go back and listen to her episode, we reposted it, um, a couple of weeks back on the NLT Facebook page, and it's always going to be there on the little archive in the iTunes or the Spotify, if you ever want to go back and listen to that. Right. Some of the other women, of course, were, uh, uh, Nancy, mm -hmm. Nancy Gibbs, and, uh, Stephanie Varon, uh, and of course I've enjoyed all the women that I've played with or had things to do. Uh, uh, if you if you could go back and, uh, and and do one of those roles again, what would you what would you want to go do? If you could choose, if you only had to, if you had to choose one to go boy, back and do, just as good as you did it before. Boy, that was. It'd be hard to decide if I had to pick one because Pajama Game was one of my favorites when I played Heinz. Uh, Give us a brief overview of Pajama Game for those that don't know, Mita. 
Um, it is, there's a pajama factory and they are trying to get a seven and a half cent raise and they've got a new foreman that comes in and um, the leader of the, the ladies uh, and he kind of hit it off and kind of fall in love and all that sort of stuff. Uh, they've got a new guy, a new foreman, new manager, whatever you want to call him, and he hits it off with, um, she, she tends to be the, the ringleader of the, the women on the floor, the, the so, seamstresses uh -huh. and stuff. And they end up, she, she has to kind of spend time with him trying to kind of convince him of the whole, you know, the strike or the slowdown or whatever they're doing. And he, uh, they sort of fall in love. And uh, Dad played the part of the man who kept, made sure things were kept moving on the floor. He, he was the, the time guy. He, he, he was the efficiency guy, trying to make sure everything ran on time and mm -hmm. smoothly. So. I'm sorry, and what were you saying, uh, Fred? Oh, I was talking about the character Hines, mm -hmm. who was the time study man. That's that's all he had on his mind was was uh, keeping the tops in production at at the same rate as the bottoms of the pajamas. You know, that's all they made, and uh, and so it had several good songs in it, and that's what I enjoyed about it. And uh, Ruth, who was the director. Ruth Mills uh, gave me a very good compliment at the end of the show, uh, but uh, I thought there were some nice little songs in that, and not only for me, but for everybody. I mean, it was a good musical. What was the compliment she gave you, if you care to share it with us? She just said uh, she thought I took Heinz and made him my own, mm. and she'd love to work with me again, <laughs> which we've worked many times since then. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, um, it's always nice to hear a director uh, say that. And that's what you got to do with your character. And it seems like in hearing you speak, it seems like that's something that you try to do. It seems that you've seen it done one way or have it in your head or seen it somewhere one way. And you're like, I've got to try to do something different. Yeah. Which I think is important. Well, it's not necessarily how the other guy does it. You know, you want to keep in character with the character. But sometimes people read a character different ways. Mm -hmm. uh, in other words, some people might see Hines as a drunk because he, he did hit the bottle pretty heavy and he was a knife thrower and he could get violent when he got drunk. And he was, uh, he was very jealous of, of the girl that he liked in the show, you know, uh, who was Laurie Hamilton, played the part of, uh, of his girlfriend. And then we had a girl named Jeannie Robinson who played... Mabel, who was Hines's advocate, she she wanted to see Hines straighten out and do right. You know, well, he did his job good, but he he could let personal things get in his way. You know, so I just tried to play up on some of that, and I'd seen I'd seen people who get a little out of hand when they get to drinking too, uh -huh. and he he threw knives and. And they had a they had a board up here at the picnic the country company picnic. They had a board where Babe, who was the girl that uh, Mita was talking about, was the was the ringleader of the. In fact, I think she was one of the former uh, was the lady uh, union boss. Something like that, yeah. And uh, 
So they were trying to get a seven and a half inch cent raise. Right. This tells you how far back it was cast <laughs> back in the early 50s. And, uh, and so at the picnic, Hines was pretty high uh, and, and Babe stood next to the board, you know, and he was throwing knives at her and uh, uh, not at her, but around her, you uh -huh. know, outline her. And so the, her, her boyfriend, who was the new manager, came in and broke it up because he knew that Hines probably couldn't throw a knife as good drunk as he could soap. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so that, that lady was another one of my favorites in the show. That was Ginger Wilson. Yeah, she's ready now, Ginger Reddy. Ginger Reddy, that's right. Yeah. She was Wilson at the time, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Ginger was always one of my not only favorite actresses, she was one of my favorite people, you know. As long as I knew her, she, she and I always uh, interacted very well together. And, uh, uh, and I'd love to see her again sometime. Right. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw her. She moved off to Florida. Uh, as we did Rick Flores. Rick's another fellow that's just a wonderful guy to be on, mm -hmm. be on stage with, you know. Uh, he's, he's so uh, adept at uh, his characters and all. And in Cabaret, he played the gorilla. What's that? Is it an actual gorilla? I don't know. It's, uh, there's, there's a song that that's, um, probably wouldn't fly in today's political world, but uh, the MC sings a song called Me Skate, which means, I, uh, I can't remember what it means. It's, it's a derogatory term. Okay. For, and he sings it, and at the end of the song, well, what, this big gorilla comes out, and he talks about being in love with her, and people don't understand, and all of that sort of stuff. And at the end of the song, he goes, she doesn't look Jewish, does she? <laughs> and, doesn't look <laughs> Jewish at all. Yep. Wow. And that was part of the song, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, and that was, that was a grand show, Cabaret is, is a grand show. And it had some good shows. I really didn't intend to be in Cabaret. When I heard the music, I said, there's, there's one song I want to sing in that show, but I don't want any of the speaking parts. So I didn't get a speaking part. Uh, but he let me sing that song, which is... Uh, uh, Tomorrow belongs to me, as several of us in that song in that sh show sang that same song. It was a recurring song, and uh, but my part I think was probably one of my uh, favorite spots in all of the twenty-some years I've been in the theater, because uh, it was a song that was that I had worked on hard because I wanted Tony to let me do it, and. Uh, and so he, he agreed to do it. And then we had several guys that were singing harmony at the conclusion of that song. And it got, it got good reviews. It's, it's a really pretty song. But then basically uh, at the party in Act Two, the, uh, the Nazis sort of usurp it and make it a Heil kind of song. Uh. And that was like so they bastardize it pretty much. It's it's a song about country and having uh, uh, 
what is it, respect, not respect, but uh, being proud of where you come from, being proud of your country. And <clears throat> at the party, my character, uh, the guy, one of the guys who's an SS member or whatever, gets upset with everybody for partying. And she pulls him in and says, no, 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 let's sing. And so she starts the song. And by the end of it, it becomes this very uh, Nazi pro you know, pro-Nazi song. So they're perverting it. Into perverting some, yeah, it. Yeah, and this That's, that's when they're coming, that's when they're coming to get everybody. Right. You right. know, the stormtroopers are coming in, they take a character or a couple of characters and take them out. And at that time, Tony's given me three more roles in the show, just <laughs> stand-in roles, you know. But we got to stand there and uh, and as Nazi guards and watch them. Me and Rick Flores were the two. And and we watch them t come in and take those folks out and march them out. And you know, they, when you say the old saying that uh, I didn't say anything because they weren't coming for me, but then finally they came for me. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was standing there and, and it was very convenient. I had a severe pain in my right knee I mean, it was hurting terribly, and I had to stand at attention. And tears were rolling down my cheeks. <laughs> really? Because yeah. it hurt so bad? And and what was going on on stage, oh, too, yeah. you know. Okay. But uh, it was it was, uh, it was was a moving part, I thought, when at the end of Cabaret, when they came and took the people away. It's, it's, it's a deep show when you think about it, because it, the whole thing is done in such a way that it's all parties and light and, and facade. And then at the very end, you basically realize that, you know, the dirty, gritty underneath of what was going on during that period of time. So. And the, is it about the Nazis just coming into power? Yes. Okay, so pre-war Berlin was, was a very, was a very, uh, Liberal is not the right word, but it was a very freewheeling, uh, yes, free-loving yes. type of place. It was the opposite of the, exactly. the yeah, yeah, and so yeah, that dichotomy of this huge party atmosphere, and now right, and that's what the Kit Kat Club was. Mm. It was just wide open, and there's a whole lot of innuendo and double mm. entendre and just all-out raunch, basically. Yeah. And then you have the Nazis come in and go, "No, no, we're better than this," and you know, people start to sort of fall in line with that and so that's sort of how the show goes it's it's all big bold and then it sort of becomes more and more the 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 new sort of tightens yeah. by the end of the show you, you don't even realize it by the end i guess is what you, yeah, yeah that's interesting and if you do it with a live orchestra what they do is there's like a live orchestra on stage at the beginning and they play usually they're members of the kit kat club kind of a thing because the whole thing basically takes place Every time I've seen it, when we did it, and when I saw it on Broadway, the whole thing takes place in the club, but they represent someplace else. Mm -hmm. So, but the the band orchestra plays on stage, and by the end of it, everybody gets taken off. Even the band's no longer there because they've been removed right. from the society. Yeah, because all the Jewish people were. Taken away, mm -hmm. and just, locked away. Yeah, not just uh, the homosexuals, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, people that were mentally impaired. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's Anybody not, that wasn't Aryan. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. If you didn't feed it, meet a certain criteria. And you didn't fall in line. If you didn't fall in line, they took you off too. Mm -hmm. So 
yeah, it was it was it was a our way or the highway kind of a thing. So. All right. Well, that was interesting. Um, the, uh, we're uh, running a little low on time, but I do want to get this in before we... You hosted the Cannons for several years. The, uh, just quick sidebar, Cannons are our annual award ceremony for News Little Theater. And uh, you had uh, recently decided to stop. Um, but how, tell us just a little bit about hosting the Cannons and how that came to be and all that. I always considered it a great honor mm-hmm. to... Uh, to get up there and and try to set a tone where, you know, uh, a lighthearted tone in most cases, but but still put the actors that who had got the awards as a serious and uh, and tried to tried to make sure people realized the effort they had put in to to get these awards. And uh, you know, you you don't want to go overboard without talking about how hard they worked and all because it was, you know, you do it for fun here mm-hmm. at News Little Theater. Yep. And and so I did it for several years and and the first year I did it, uh, I think uh, I just considered it one of the best honors I'd ever had to be able to to talk about the best in the in our little theater group. And uh, so I tried to come up with appropriate jokes, and <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes I got a little too lighthearted, maybe. But your jokes are legendary. Uh, <laughs> well, I didn't tell any of my legendary ones at the Cannon Awards, <laughs> but uh, there's and and then we one night that I distinctly remember was when Doris Cannon was there for the last time. Doris was a wonderful person in this theater, uh, and she was she was a good writer, and she was a very good friend. Uh, you know, I never knew her in a as a personal personal friend, but I considered one of my her one of my friends, and uh, that's who the Canon Awards are named after. Yes, and uh, and I remember it was very bittersweet that night, knowing that. You know, we were honoring her, and and that she was a. Uh, well, she was sick at the time, but we didn't know it was going to be her last appearance. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just look back on moments like that, and they're part of life. You know, uh, their life is made up of moments like that, and when you. When you're in the rough days, it makes you appreciate the good days. Uh, makes you realize sometimes when you're having a really bad time in your life, you say, boy, I just never appreciated the good times mm-hmm. enough. Uh, and so I did the cannons for several years, and then I thought I was getting a little bit burned out at it. I, I didn't feel burned out, but I didn't think I was doing uh, justice for for the actors and those who had won the awards as much anymore as I had in the past. So I just decided it was time for me to step out of the picture a little bit. Mm. I still love the show. I mean, I still love the evening. It's, 
Yeah, it's one of my favorite evenings of the year too. It's uh, when it comes to these time, when it comes to community theater award ceremonies, I've been to a couple of different ones, and uh, I think ours is very unique. And because it's nice, it is. It's a very nice event. When it comes to these things, it is what you make it. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is whatever you guys decided. It, and when I first went to, it, I was like, oh, this is actually very nice, and it feels, it feels welcoming. And it does, it, it feels prestigious and no, smart, and no small part because of you, Fred, and because you said at the very jump when you said it's an honor to do it, well, you convey that. It, it is conveyed through, through uh, your hosting, and believe it or not, it, it is. And uh, um, I hope whoever does it next, um, <laughs> it was supposed to be me last year, but then I had a leg injury at the very last minute. You were so mad. I was so mad. <laughs> Because uh, I, because I kind of, I had wanted to do it, yes, but not before Fred was done. When he decided to done, I was, I was like, when he's done, maybe I can get a shot at it. And I finally got my shot, and I got a leg injury. I had a back injury at work, and it, tra- and it traveled down to my calf, and I could not walk for a week. I was so angry. <laughs> it had to come around. Yeah, it had to come around. And luckily, uh, Teresa was willing to step in and, and do it. Teresa and was you wonderful. Had, you had done all the legwork because we had decided with Dad stepping down as MC, we would bring back people who won the award to present the awards. Mm-hmm. And so it didn't. It wasn't quite as much work as when Dad was doing it. Dad was doing the MCing and presenting awards, and we we sort of kind of delegated all of that to other people so it wasn't quite so uh so one person heavy i guess you know but uh and you had done all the legwork on that you you'd lined everybody up gotten everybody set and everything mm-hmm. but uh yeah Teresa was luckily because she didn't have quite as much on her shoulders to do it she was able to step in easily and yeah. sort of take it over it was nice it's uh it's nice having the person that won it last year or if that person is not available the person that mm-hmm. won it the last year uh, come up and 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 present the award because, um, uh, number one, it's, it's it, yeah, you're not seeing this, and you're just not seeing this. It's easier for the MC, and you're not seeing the same person over and over right, again. Right, exactly. And the other person that comes up might have had a glass or two of wine, and might be a little <laughs> bit more loosey goosey <laughs> than they normally would have been. So that that's also entertaining. It uh, it, it gives everything a little bit of a different flavor. So you're not the whole thing doesn't have the same tone and. Not that that's a bad thing per se, but it was nice. It was it was definitely a change of pace last year yep. because I enjoyed last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you did because you got to sit there and drink and not do anything. <laughs> Doesn't feel nervous a bit. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And uh, there was only three shows last year because of COVID, uh, and so that was kind of a good little tester. Right. We'll give it the full rollout this year, and hopefully my leg will cooperate. Um, thank you, Fred, for coming. Um, I think we're going to put a pin in it there. And, uh, Anything particular you want to talk yeah. about that we didn't talk about? Now's the time. Well, I'd just like to say that the Noose Little Theater has grown since we came into it here in 1998. And uh, when we first came in, we didn't have these seats. There was a noisy heater up here <laughs> which nice. didn't heat it very well. Mm-hmm. There was a it had no air conditioning in the building and we had a big huge floor fan about a four foot floor fan that we set there in the door and it kept so much noise you couldn't run it during a during a 
performance. Right. And so we, by hook and crook and hard work and, uh, and participation of quite a few people, we got air conditioning and heating in this building. And uh, I would like to point out that Fred was a huge, huge uh, contributor to that because he's the heating and air guy. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, a good HVAC guy. Well, I had come up, I had come across a couple of good size air conditioners, uh, just just what it took to do this auditorium, and taking them out of where I was putting in other air conditioners, you know, and two five ton units. And I told Ken Mitchell, who was president then, I said, if the theater can buy the furnaces for, as air handlers and the coils, these these outside units are totally free. Wow. So, so they came up with the idea and, uh, and presented it. Of course, I was not a member of the board at that time, so I don't know how it ever happened, but Ken came up with the money and, and we got it in there with the help of Johnson Community College's uh, air conditioning class. Uh, Doug Brown and his boys came around and worked some at night and we've got it in. So uh, that that has been a, a big addition to the well-being of our... Absolutely. Yeah, and that's when we went from four shows a season to five shows a season. And then we decided we didn't like doing the summer shows, but we also got the summer camp out of it, so... Yeah. Interesting. And those two air conditioners ran. I mean, they they ran till we bought these two new ones year before last to replace them with. They were still running when I took them out, mm-hmm. but they had gotten so inefficient that it, I mean, efficient. The power bill had gotten so high that we had to have something more efficient right. than, than the old ones. So. We we bit the bullet and bought some new ones and and uh, and air conditioned the post the box office. Now that was a biggie because people used to I, I literally freeze in there in the winter time mm-hmm. and and sweat bad bad, bad sweat yeah. in the summertime. Yeah. So we got us a little air conditioner in there and it uses hardly any electricity and makes people a lot more pleasant when They're you go to the box office. Very happy about that because it Absolutely. used to either be an ice box or a sauna. Uh-huh. It's like there was, there was very little in between. In <laughs> so, so they're very happy that you gave them, particularly heat. They are very happy about the heat. Well, yeah. that's, that's about all I've, I wanted to say about it. Uh, I've just enjoyed the Noose Little Theater has been a big part of my life since I was 60 years old. Mm-hmm. I regret I waited till I was 60 to actually get into it. You just had a birthday, correct? How old are you now, sir? I turned 84 last Monday, last Sunday, excuse me. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Well, um, we appreciate you. We appreciate uh, the work you put into this place, the actual blood, sweat, and tears that we've we've talked about uh, during this little interview. We we thank you for most recently your work on the lights outside on the lights on the pictures out there it looks wonderful and we thank you for literally helping to keep the lights on around this place <laughs> so uh we're indebted to you uh fred so we appreciate it we really do we'll do our best to well, keep, keep those lights on in future generations <laughs> that's for sure thank you very much i hope the relationship can go on for many more years that's the goal that's always the goal all right thank you sir
All right, uh, for this little podcast, we're going to put a pin in it there, folks. And uh, we got, oh, I would be remiss if we didn't mention that we do have auditions coming up for The Outsiders. And they are coming up on December 14th. Nope. No, Tuesday. No, 13th. 13th, excuse me. Monday, December 13th. And Wednesday, December 15th. There is no Tuesday auditions. So yep. Those are the two dates, the 13th and the 15th. At 7 p.m. 7 p.m. And uh, 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 COVID vaccination stuff? Um, the director is requiring everyone to be vaccinated by the time rehearsal starts. So that's probably in January. That'll be January. Gotcha. All right. Well, please come out and uh, audition for that. There's several roles, especially for young adults and teenagers, uh, especially. So yes, very much so. Please come out for that. All right, folks, we appreciate it. We hope you have a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. And we'll have something uh, uh, something brief because we want to take time off to spend uh, uh, time with our families. But we will have something for you on Christmas Eve, December 24th. It'll be brief and it will be unique. So until that little stocking stuffer, we'll see you later. Credits for the show. Your host and creator is Matt Gore. That's me. My producer and editor is Mita Tool. That's me. Music is by Cody Walker. Uh, please go look up Cody on uh, Cody Walker Music on YouTube. And he's also on Cody Walker Music on Facebook as well. He's local, so uh, and he's got a couple of albums out. You know, uh, easy listening John, John Denver type of uh, guitar voice, that Cody Walker. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.